0: Hello and welcome to episode 84 of For Christ's Sake Anakin, I'm your host Matthew Nugebauer, coming to you on this Tuesday, August 10th, 2021, that's right, we are closer to the year 2022 than we are to 2020, thankful to be uh, fully vaccinated and out and about and still taking precautions and listening to our scientific authorities as they lead us towards hopefully the end of this pandemic at least for those who are privileged enough to be able to have access to vaccines. And we hope and pray that for a just and equitable distribution of vaccines throughout the world, that whole trusting in scientific authorities and bureaucratic authorities, I suspect, will come up later on in this episode because we were talking about Loki and the Loki finale and uh, the way described the origin of the TVA and the circumstances in which that came up. Um, a bit of housekeeping uh, before we dive in. As you may have noticed, we I've finally gone and created uh, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook pages, Facebook accounts for, for Christ's sake, Anakin. Uh, you can find uh, find me on Twitter at FCSA99 and on Instagram at FCSA1999 and on on Facebook it's it's a long link that I'll I'll just post the link to in the description as well. The uh, reason being I would have liked to have just a straight up nice and clean at FCSA, but the, the social medias didn't let me do that. The overlords didn't let me do that. So I um, had to throw in a number in there, a la, you know, when I made my, my original, my personal accounts <laughs> back in the day. And uh, I thought, okay, so 99, you could say about the Bad Batch and how these accounts have been made since, uh, now that this show is, is nearing the end of its first season. And I'll hopefully have some things to say, um, about the, the season finale on Friday, but, uh, primarily, uh, here, the Instagram account, 1999, gotta, gotta th- throw some love to the Phantom Menace and, uh, the, the origins of this podcast being a reflection on, Anakin as, uh, the chosen one who was born from a virgin and how, of course, the closest parallel, and that wasn't just a resonance, it was a parallel at hand, is the, uh, the central belief of Western and Eastern and every sort of Christianity of the Godhead of, of Jesus Christ. <laughs> and, um, as God's messianic agent, God himself through a virgin. And of course, got to show some love to the influ- the influence and presence of Qui-Gon Jinn on this podcast. Um, you can go back to my commentary series on Master and Apprentice. I keep on um, thinking about that as, as a, a high watermark for this podcast and just even that first, uh, fourth episode in way back in 2017, uh, 2016, 2017, whatever year it was, um, yeah, reflecting on Quagunjin as a type of John the Baptist, this forerunner, this prophet, and how that continues to inform uh, my my commentaries on the High Republic and where I believe all that is going. So, Twitter FCSA99, Instagram FCSA1999. Um, I'll I'll mention those again at the end as I usually do for my personal accounts, but. I'll no longer be mentioning my personal accounts. I mean, feel free to go ahead and find them if you want <laughs> and give me a follow there. But yeah, uh, I'll be primarily sharing episodes on on those accounts, of course. You can find, find this on Anchor, on Spotify, wherever pod, Apple, wherever podcasts are found. Another reason a bit for the delay uh, the last few weeks, getting uh, my MacBook set up and figuring out all that and figuring out GarageBand. So all those levels. So hopefully, uh, hopefully things are going to run smoother until uh, now that all that's set up. Last bit of housekeeping is, uh, yes, we recorded, um, uh, two weeks ago, I guess it was, went to the beach and recorded, uh, the, the summer shorts about, uh, about the High Republic and about the High Republic reveals. Then we transitioned right after and, uh, all four of us there at the beach recorded uh, an episode of um, Pod Force 99. Sorry, I blanked on the name for a second. Pod Force 99, the Star Wars Underworld's uh, Bad Batch review podcast. Uh, definitely it was a great discussion. Thought I thought I made some good contributions. Uh, buddy, my buddy Din, who you've heard on this podcast before, he threw in a really wonderful thought about Omega and her innocence and the, the, the quote from Jesus about uh, entering the kingdom as a child. And he, he out FCSA'd me. It was, it was great. It was a great moment. Um, so yeah, go ahead and check that out. They've got new episodes up every Sunday for, for every previous episode. And of course this coming Sunday will be the last one for season one. I won't be on it. That's, that's great. I, you know, I said my piece. It's all good. Um, glad to, more importantly, glad to have been a part of that as well and to have connected and gotten to know, uh, as, as I think Ben and in his intro to the main SW show, so many great friends. And uh, that's definitely the positive that we see in Star Wars fandom is real human connection. So that being out of the way, I'm going to dive into the pull list. And I want to make... One little comment about uh, War of the Bounty Hunters. Structurally, it is a little confusing overall, just in terms of reading list. Kind of like how you ask people, keep asking what's the best reading list for High Republic, and it's uh, usually release order. Um, same thing, I think, with War of the Bounty Hunters, except that some, some issues come out at the same time on the same day. A new issue is prob- most likely coming out tomorrow. One of the things that's curious, though, is, sorry, that they uh, they they are kind of jumping back in time, and I wonder if that is intentional, and is that they 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 have a climax moment, I'll spoil it a little bit, the climax moment of when Vader crashes the party and says, nope, Solo is coming with me, and this is the auction, Kira is having this auction for Solo and Carbamite and... Jabba, I believe ends up bidding a hundred million credits, basically like a kajillion credits <laughs> and he's about to win. And then Vader barges in and says, uh, no, he's coming with me. I'm, I'm Darth Vader. <laughs> um, don't you know who I am? And then we have more subsequent issues, including the four Lom issue. Um, the bounty hunters, the actual bounty hunters comic that, uh, uh you know, the, of of that with um Byler valance and oh, what's the name? The guy with the the white head wrapping, blanking on his name. It's bounty hunter. I don't pay too much attention to those guys. Um, Four lemon zuck is interestingly written by Daniel Jose Older, also who wrote High Republic. Um, anyway, those those issues are are actually going back and seeing how they got to the party, even though we've already seen this climactic moment in the party. So. I suspect they're actually building up to the this moment again. Um, it's similar, almost in structure, maybe to what how we've been consuming High Republic. Should I say consuming? We've been engaging with High Republic material in that uh, we have a novel, an adult novel that really shows the great climactic event, and then we have a junior grade novel and a young adult novel, and these other comics that are then. Showing us the story of how we got to this moment and how other characters around this moment got there. It's a different way of telling a story than maybe some of us were expecting. Uh, that I was expecting, but um, it it kind of it builds up the suspense of okay, what happens next? Because we know ultimately, it's it's this funny thing with the War of the Bounty Hunters. It starts with Boba, and Empire taking Han. And then he goes through all, all these things of losing him in the auction. Now Vader may end up taking him. Who knows? Uh, we know ultimately Boba Fett <laughs> brings Han Solo to Jabba the Hut and gets his bounty, I gather. We know that Boba Fett is on back on Jabba's good side in Return of the Jedi. He's back in the palace there. It's this funny thing of we know everything that kind of gets wiped away in terms of any kind of consequences on screen, but we're still being told this story. And there's a reason we're being told this story. And I think I've brought it up before is I, I think it's going to connect, especially to the comic runs after Return of the Jedi that I I suspect are coming soon. And, uh, and, you know, we have different teases about, Luke going out and uh, starting his search for Jedi lore after Return of the Jedi and after the Battle of Jakku especially. We have uh, teases about the the Dameron, uh, Dameron family and how uh, we have Kes and, oh, what's the father's name? Anyway, uh, the, you know, Poe Dameron's parents, and, and I wonder if storytelling is going to be there. It, it is... Uh, one of these things that, yeah, is being used just the way Marvel does. Star Wars does this too. Does this in the TV shows a lot now. We uh, we're still sitting with this tension of telling a good story now, that is setting up future storytelling in the future. Sorry, that was a redundant phrase. We'll we'll see what comes of it all. Um, it, it's you know, but uh, that's another thing. Is it underscores also. the the importance of enjoying a story in the moment rather than worrying too much about what happens because we know, again, that (laughs) Boba ends up taking Han to Jabba, or at least he ends up being on the good side. So, again, kind of curious storytelling, adding wrinkles to Vader's involvement in all this in all the lengths he's going to go to get draw Luke in, um... uh, to the dark side and trying to lure him because that's his plan, right? The political intrigue with Sly Moore (laughs) and that confrontation with, with Vader that is coming. So definitely more to look forward to there. It's just this funny thing of you giving us this climactic event and now we gotta be patient and wait and see what leads up to it. And then we'll see what's next. Charles Sewell is a master of both, um, anticipation and uh making good on that anticipation all right so on to our main discussion now and what uh first of all i'll say what i thought and how i felt about loki as a series overall i really enjoyed it i really appreciated the twists and turns of what it ended up saying about human destiny and about identity and how um what freedom means right? It, it's this almost, it, it presents, and this will probably come up in, in a few minutes in the main, my main thought here, but it's fascinating. It, yes, it upholds the, the idea you can be whoever you want to be and whatever you want to do, do whatever you want to do. But it, it constrains that, it harnesses that to say, okay, you can be free to be the good guy. You can be free to adhere to a set of moral uh, strictures that you may have developed within yourself that you may have always wanted to, that you long for, because that is who you are as someone who is made and created. If we can bring up that theological concept, you can submit to the good if you want. And that's this fascinating thing because we're often told stories about, um, you can just be free and that's it. And it stops there. And, uh, it's a wonderful way of, of, I I love the way they, they took Loki and said, no, in this prime timeline of the MCU, you have played the villain. (laughs) You've been the trickster. That's just your lot in life. um, And you've played the the character that could have represented a type of extreme anarchist, like individualism is the thing. And and I want to be careful there. And one of the points I'm gonna I'm I'm getting at with this whole discourse today is discourse as a word. This whole uh, whole podcast today is um you know there there's an individualist anarchism of, of sort of the Ayn Rand. Uh, objectivism, then there's a, a lot of community-centered libertarianism and uh, anarchism that is more just skeptical of large bureaucracies. And uh, I, lo- I love the way that this Loki Loki show nuances all of those things and all of those questions. Everyone coming to the table is both affirmed and questioned at the same time. <laughs> and uh, I'm always in for that. One of the things I'm in for, especially, is uh, you know highly powered uh, individuals, magical beings who spend a good chunk of time sitting around talking about the meaning of their power and their uh, <laughs> the, the use of that power. It's what I love. One of the things I love about the Last Jedi are those two lessons in the cave on Octo. What is the force? Who are the Jedi? What is their legacy? Right, go back to the the uh, the council meeting, that one page in Light of the Jedi where Ali is going through, and she has from her perspective this council meeting on what the Jedi are to do and how. I found that endlessly fascinating. Maybe that's just me. Maybe I like like it when people sit down and probe the deeper ideas, meanings kind of what i aspire to here at fcsa in terms of teasing out themes and so one of the big things that happens is in this finale is not a massive action sequence we get that in the episode before this in the second last episode we get that action sequence that unmasks the uh the timekeepers as as wizard of oz robots um Poorly constructed, obviously fake, <laughs> and uh, you know. In this last episode, we have let's call him Kang, he who remains. He's he's, he's his name is Kang. Um, well, I guess he has a different name. I forget his name, but anyway, his human name. But we we know it, it's it's the same variant of Kang the Conqueror. Anyway, he who remains sitting around talking about the origins of the TVA. And what happened, of course, was, or wh- what happens is that there are these parallel realities, universes upon universes. And in these universes, there are variants of him that take his knowledge and his uh, t- his skill, and especially his knowledge, th- and his ability to build himself up into this v- immensely powerful being and turn it to conquest and turn it to war and turn it to colossal bloodshed. And so we have this, this one King who remains, who says, this is chaos. This multiversal war is going to be the end of us all. And so I have to instead create this uh, draconian bureaucracy, called the Time Variance Authority, very ominous-sounding name even, and I have to uh, use it to regulate the flow of time. And then Eric Voss, uh, new rockstar, has pointed out one of the possible ideas: there is regulate the flow of time so that there are no more King the Conquerors, that only I'm the one who can actually hold this together. I'm, I'm the only one with any kind of benevolent intention. And so I'm going to uh, try and prevent an, a variant of me coming forward. That comes out when he says he's afraid of himself and his, his own conqueror variant that, of course, Sylvie ends up killing him. And, and we know uh, from, and this is how we know who he's King is, from uh, the Ant-Man Quantumania casting we know the character the actor who steals the show uh, is, is cast as King the Conqueror so he's coming <laughs> and and king who remains ends up failing uh because you know Sylvie kills him and <laughs> um and, and where my mind went back to with this is uh to my undergrad political theory uh, training or my undergrad studies, sorry, in political theory and how uh, much of, you know, 16th, 17th century modern liberal enlightenment political thought is rooted in what's known as the social contract tradition. And uh, this is a little different in the sense that there isn't a, this isn't a matter of different universes, as far as we know, different universes, different people, different Kangs, different leaders making a social contract among themselves to create a state to govern society. This is, this he who remains imposing it upon everyone. And and that is a limit to this TVA. But one of the central Ways into the social contract tradition is that thinkers. This is Rousseau and Locke and Hobbes. Um, They've they posit this hypothetical state of nature, and it isn't so hypothetical for someone like Hobbes, who sees during the English Civil War how life is uh, poor, wretched, nasty, brutish, and short. (laughs) Very just endless violence and chaos, and. It isn't so much, I guess, a hypothetical as in a response to all this, uh, unmitigated chaos and the lack of mitigation, but they give it this cosmic or, um, uh, yeah, it, it's a theological claim really that is and isn't rooted effectively in, in the doctrine of original sin that, Left-wing devices. This is, I mean, this is the Federalist Papers, right? If men were angels, no government would be necessary. Is, uh, I guess that's James Madison puts it. The idea being that we can't be trusted to govern ourselves and, and to to restrain our own violent tendencies, and so we have to. Come together and create what's known, what we know now, as a state, a bureaucracy, a government, hopefully a representative legislature that has sovereignty over all of us and over our large territory. In some, uh, in some context, that was applied to crown and parliament, especially in British context and here in Canada, in the U.S. and in France, it was this notion of the people, we the people of the United States of America, and and then vested in constitutionally vested in president and Congress. Uh, But the idea remains, and this is this foundation of modern representative democracy that has this, uh, as it grew in the 20th century especially, this large bureaucratic apparatus to execute the decisions of the legislature and uh, and to enforce the, the the binding decisions of the legislature and when it comes to a criminal code and fines and regulations on on corporations for example and uh, we see this then as uh, you know, the TVA is one of these examples if you will of <laughs> at least there there isn't a representative legislature but there's a bureaucracy that is intended to curb the the violent excesses of a potential multiverse, and so it gets built up, and at all costs, restrains and limits and cuts and snips. In some ways, rather violently, as Sylvie experienced those potential excesses, those potential the potential for things to branch off into uh, a Kang the Conqueror universe, or at least a universe that could oppose the sovereignty of, quote-unquote, the sacred timeline. And so yeah, it, it's, frankly, a marvelous way into this conversation, both because it shows the strengths of a modern nation state and its limits, both moral and theological so good social Democrat that I am, uh, I'll start with the strength. The strengths of this are, uh, yeah, that it can be effective. And we see with the TVA, it is effective over, uh, you know, over the millennia and, you know, modern nation states have been somewhat effective, if you will, in, in the rise of the middle class and this growth and prosperity it is tied, of course, with with capitalism and with the freedom to innovate and produce and sell and make as much money as you want. And uh, that's that's this part. One of the paradoxes here is the, um, the paradox about of Western societies is we have become more just and equitable. Sorry, among the middle class. Through means that have <laughs> this very unjust and inequitable uh, side effects. Don't want to call them side effects. Want to so call them means. Um, we're coming to the end of that fact, right? We're coming to the end of the just and equitable distribution of wealth. Here's another, uh, another Enlightenment concept through the invisible hand that Adam Smith spoke of. We, we see that that worked really well up until the 60s and 70s, and then and even into the 80s, and then the 90s and 2000s happened. And uh, when you hoard all that wealth, hoard all that power uh, in, in a capital, right? And that's the problem is these bureaucracies often exist to serve corporations. <laughs> and so there is that already that separation from sort of private corporations that are solely focused on making profit. So bureaucracies then are focused on improving the GDP <laughs> and, um, and not exclusively, not entirely, but again, we're, we're coming to a societally and I think this pandemic has revealed some fissures and breaking points even the, the, the tent cities and parks here in Toronto. We've said people would rather camp out than have to suffer living in the streets. And the fact that our city's responses have been to send cops in and, and, and tear gas in rather than trying to work towards an effective homelessness reduction, homelessness elimination strategy shows that bureaucracies and representative institutions have only been so effective at, uh, alleviating poverty and ensuring that folks have a place to live. (laughs) It, it, it's been effective for the majority of us who live in, in comfortable homes, but those limits are becoming, uh, are, are coming to the fore because They're not as representative as we had thought, as we had hoped, right? We have elected legislatures. The way those legislators and legislators are elected is tied up in so much wealth and so much empty promises. They might as well have these little canisters that go and purge uh, wayward timelines because anyone on the extreme left, extreme equality Is I mean this was the concern in the U.S. right? How the rightward drift of American politics. Anyone on the left, you know, Black Lives Matter marches, they're considered terrorists and they're considered threats. Whereas, uh, the actual one six terrorist attack was was met with a little slap on the wrist and away you go. (laughs) So, uh, that that's. A practical limit, even as it's been effective. It's interesting how I couldn't help but dive into the limits because I think with the TVA, it's shown ultimately to be a corrupt organization—not corrupt, but uh, it—it's it, become an end in itself. And you see that with uh, with Renslayer, how for her, it isn't doesn't matter whether or not the TVA is effectively preventing uh, Akeng, the conqueror, uh, you know, whether or not the goal is simply effective prevention is enough, it's that the TVA exists, and she says in the end that what matters is, is order and control, and, and order especially, right? I mean, order, order with freedom, I mean, that's the point of the social contract tradition is order... With freedom, in order for us, order as sorry. Let me me try this again. Order as the commonly agreed upon way in which we go about our lives in society, are uh, is a good thing, if it creates if it allows room and provides the groundwork for room for us to go and live our lives in society. It's a servant. order as an end in itself as we see ultimately in the end where the TVA is still around at least some variant of it in some branch timeline in which there is Kang the Conqueror full on present using it as the way I think this is what my speculation here as the way for him to impose order is the type of thing that Renslayer was good with all along and so it's going to be interesting in season two then to see Loki who has now taken up the mantle of being a hero is he going to uh, try to oppose the TVA is he going to nuance it yet again by saying some of this order is good (laughs) it's curbing excess but it's being used for the sake of excess so that's the practical limit I think it's rooted a little bit, not a little bit, quite a lot actually, in the theological limit to the social contract tradition, because you know it came at Western Enlightenment. Western Enlightenment came out of the Protestant Reformation and Catholic Counter Reformation. You know, this is the things we know, right? Um, taking some Christian ideals, but. Uh, it had an odd starting point mean that it essentially starts with Genesis chapter 3, with the fall, and says, we, uh, you know, again, social contract, or, or state of nature, our state of nature is nasty, poor, British, and short, that that's our state of nature. And scripture and Christian tradition says, well, actually, this is, Maybe may be plugging into a bit of a C.S. Lewis here. Actually, our state of nature is Genesis 1 and 2, created within God's order, already inherent within us, an order that seeks the flourishing of diversity and in freedom, in unity, right? And, uh, you know, I mean, if men were angels, well, actually, Scripture says we're created a little higher than the angels. And... Uh, it's the obscuring of the, the you know, obscuring in, in a way, in on one hand, of uh, that call to order as a common, agreed-upon way of going about society, but also order itself, obscures, can obscure uh, our going about society, as I've said before. And so obscures our expression as Creatures of God, called to come together in harmony, called created this destined to come together in ultimately in harmony and peace. Uh, the lion lying down with the lamb, the wolf lying down with the lamb, uh, for example, we <laughs> see. And so, what I'm getting at here then is. Uh, Modern Western bureaucracy, the TVA, is crafted as a response to original sin. Crafted a response to the effects of original sin. In society, we can't be trusted to just go about our way without a a bureaucracy that can enforce our common agreed-upon rules and principles and standards of conduct and whatnot. Um, And yet, and here's the limit, the people who are defining (laughs) these bureaucracies, defining these laws, and defining our commonly agreed upon standards and codes of conduct, are themselves sinful. Okay, so we're in a paradox then. (laughs) Wretched man that I am, Paul says in Romans, who will save me from this body of death. The good I want to do, I don't do. The bad I don't want to do, I do. <laughs> um, we know nominally or quite profoundly what what the way forward is. We know we have solutions like uh, universal guarantee, basic income. We have the wealth to feed everyone and house everyone. We just don't have the will to do it. What's the way forward? And, uh, my, my first thought is, you know, first of all, what the lesson we see in Loki that I brought up at the beginning is a very Augustinian one, right? St. Augustine, the doctor of grace, who really articulated the doctrine of original sin in order to talk about what God's response to this problem, this paradox is, Right the response by grace, I don't mean a cheap sort of wiping away. What I mean is uh, the summons, the call, not just the call, but the means to pursue who we truly are, who we truly meant to be. And the, the miracle of that is when we discover that, when we pursue that, it is in a sense, you know, in effect a submission to god's moral order within ourselves. Like I said before, we are actually made a little lower than the angels, meaning we're 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 higher and better than we always think we are. God sees us higher and better than we always think we are. We need to be freed from these other narratives that say we have to play the game we have to give in to the logic of the market, like in Fight Club, right? Uh, we have to scrap and claw and, and compete and fight against each other. It's the only way to get ahead. It's just how it's always been done. And someone's got to play the villain. Someone's got to be out for their own own behind. Otherwise, or you've got to be out for your own behind all the time. Otherwise, someone else will and you just won't get ahead. You won't get protected. You won't, you and your family will suffer in some extreme cases, right? The point is, it doesn't have to be that way. And the point of, of Loki and his journey in this show, like, uh, like Mobius says, be the good guy. Why not? Be the good guy. And, uh, that's, I think that's, also hopefully the cultural moment we're in that's my hope is we are now at a moment where politicians and business leaders are are told uh this this can't be the way it has to be right that's this power of protest of black lives matter indigenous lives matter the power of environmental protest is to say Uh, just the way it's always been doesn't have to be the way it is. We can actually pursue through democratic means a more just and equitable society. And so protest and advocacy, peaceable advocacy through legislative means, even legislative bureaucratic means uh, recapturing the representative (laughs) imperative of Of democracy, the voice of the people, the will of the people, at least in our pursuit of a more authentic human life, saying that this order of this mutually thing, thing we mutually agreed upon, well, it isn't helping everyone. And so we need to move it forward and move it onward. (laughs) And, uh, even in our own lives. And this is, I mean, the great call of the feminist movement, that the personal is political. The great uh, call of the gospel, that God's love and grace is all-encompassing of both personal and political and cosmic, that it is possible. And part of that, even thinking about right now, the moment we're in right now, a big part of that is rest. I, I, you know, I think of you know, Instagram account, the Nap Ministry, and how revolutionary rest is in pursuing our own well-being, not at the expense of others, but you know, saying we aren't going to you know, accept, per, you know, letting the rich get richer at our expense, and and I mean, I'm trying not to put words in other people's mouths. I'm fairly well off myself and comfortable myself, but we're all, uh, in a moment where, you know, the last year and a half, and especially even now we need to learn to stop and not continually pursue the logic of the market and just keep on pushing and pushing and putting things out there just so we can get, make a name for ourselves because that's not also not in accord with how we were made. And so you want to go back to Genesis 1 and 2 that seventh day where God looked and saw all things working together, all things in harmony. That is that end of the line. Right? We see in this episode this final episode a a cosmic end of at least for a Kang who remains, the the end of the timeline for him. Like, the universe, the sacred timeline as it is, is now finished. Um, You know, there is, in a sense, a sacred timeline. There is a plan A and there's no plan B with God. Who looks upon this world, sees what it could be, because sees how it is, coming full circle here by coming to us in his son and in in viewing us with the Holy spirit and drawing us sinful people to become who we were called to be meant to be and brushing away all false narratives of of just being the bad guy looking up for number one, right? There's a difference between caring for myself and looking up for number one right? Uh, I think that's implied. I'll, I'll unpack that first shortly. Looking up for number one in this fury of competition and always being so single-minded on what I need. But what I actually need is to be embedded and enfleshed, enfleshed knit together into the common life of a society, of a family. And what I need sometimes is, is rest and to receive from others. And what I need sometimes is to stand up and give to others and work for others. You know, that is the pursuit of who I am. That is the pursuit of who you are, your true self, as Augustine put it. So even coming to the end of this Loki, uh, even his individual message, his personal message is, uh, you know, um, is, is has political consequences and political implications. Um, one of those, for example, and I brought this up at the beginning, you know, it is a personal uh, moral requirement that I continue to wear a mask. And I continue to say, okay, it's the scientific... Authorities, not so much the elected officials who have this fixation on re-election, but the scientific authorities from these government ministries who are saying, uh, and and contracted by government ministries, I should say, who are saying this pandemic is not over. Even if you're fully vaccinated, you should still wear a mask and follow these guidelines and follow these rules. That. Uh, that businesses and sporting events are required to follow. Even if I can't get COVID, I could still pass it on, right? The pursuit of my true self says I want humanity to flourish and I need humanity to flourish because I'm not alone. And part of it, yeah, is one day I'm going to need others to help me So I'm going to lay the groundwork for helping others. I always need others to help me. But it goes deeper than that. It's, uh, I need to help myself by becoming the person God has called me to be. I'm using me, I'm using I, but the point being, it's all of us. It's true for all of us. And when we seek the welfare of the other, hopefully that brings about a new order and new legislative policies, new judicial fairness like I said at the beginning just an equitable distribution of vaccines and wealth and health so that's where I'm going to land it today um, one of the last things to say is this is never a perfected thing the government of Canada is not the kingdom of God in glory. The kingdom of God and glory has come to us in Jesus Christ. And uh, he is the sign. He is the way. And reading, uh, And he writes God and the pandemic. And, and he goes and he makes that very clear. But there is still the pursuit here and now. The story that God has written of our lives. And... It's a better story than we can concoct for ourselves. It's not something we dive into blindly. That's the point. (laughs) It's not an order we submit to blindly. It's an order we find within ourselves. Truth written on our hearts. A story that Loki and you and I and all of our societies are called to pursue. So this has been episode eighty-four of For Christ's sake, Anakin. If you enjoyed what you heard, if you want to give us give us a follow at FCSA ninety-nine over on Twitter, on Instagram at FCSA nineteen ninety-nine, and find us on Facebook as well. Thanks for listening. And may the Force be with you always.